Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are feeling fine coming out of a Monday race at Dover. So we're going to start the podcast by giving a happy look back at Dover and what went down, how we did with our bets, and some of the uh, extracurricular that happened at the racetrack. We're going to talk about all of that in just a second. Then we are going to transition over to Kansas. We're going to talk about the racetrack in general, the track stats, the data sets that we're looking at, how we're going to try to take advantage of this mile-and-a-half racetrack, get into some outright picks. The odds this week aren't the best for the gambler. We'll talk about that, especially with finishing positions. So we'll talk about a few, and then we'll talk about a few leans in the finishing position segment, and then finish the NASCAR portion up with some head-to-head conversation. Got some matchups there that we want to take a look at, and uh, group bet, actually, that we're leaning on in that segment as well. So a lot of NASCAR talk. We're going to get to Kansas and hopefully keep this momentum going. But then we actually have like a it's almost a, a double header episode because we're going to shift gears completely and go into a breakdown of the 2023 Kentucky Derby. We've got a preview for you here and uh, you can also find that by itself on YouTube as a standalone video if that interests you as well. So please uh Share that with any horse racing friends, but we'll get to that later in the episode. Like I said, kind of broken in half. So we'll talk Kansas, break down those picks, and then we'll shift gears and talk about the Derby and the horses that we like heading into Saturday. So what an episode. It's like one of my favorite episodes of the year. So let's take a look back at Dover, though, because we got to take a little bit of a victory lap here. I mean, Really good stuff. Now, they got practice in, just kind of recapping the whole weekend. There was a lot of, you know, concern about the weather for good reason. It was all over the place. They snuck in practice on Saturday morning. It was a very short practice session. So we were able to use a little bit of that, but, you know, wasn't everything we could have hoped for. Qualifying was, of course, washed out. So uh, the race itself was delayed till Monday. So we had to wait. A little bit in order to get that in. Now, on Saturday, though, even though qualifying was washed out, Xfinity still held on. They were able to get that race in. And it was a little bit of a, I don't know, an omen, a good omen. I don't know what the phrase is there. But Ryan Truex, brother of Martin Truex Jr., goes out and gets his first ever victory in NASCAR. So that is just awesome because, like we said, Kind of a home track for Truex. And for him to get that victory on Saturday, I'm thinking, hell yeah, baby. This is just setting up perfect for the storyline. Heading into Monday, Truex has had some success in his career on Mondays. JGR, in general, um, has done very well on Mondays. And then Truex, someone who we called out on the podcast, goes out and gets it done. That Clash Jinx we talk about, the winner of the Clash typically wins their first race on average around 10th race of the year. Well, this was the 11th. So the Clash Jinx was dead on, and we capitalized on the fact that it has been lifted. He's unshunned, 
and goes out and gets it done. Not only does he break the class jinx or, you know, proves the class jinx is real, but he snaps that winless streak. And that is just so awesome to see in this veteran driver who seems like he's on his way out potentially after this season. Love to see it. A um, lot of sentimental stuff, you know, personally with Truax. We've got a, a buddy of ours who had passed away recently. Truax was his guy. Dover was his track. Just so awesome to see that uh, win on Monday and to take advantage of it. I mean, to hit 12 to 1, that makes everything good, even if you're having a, a rough day gambling wise outside of that. But, you know, we didn't stop there. I mean, we had a banner day for the podcast. We had Hamlin called out as a top five at plus 170. That was a hit. Almost lost that one because of his pick crew, but uh, we snagged that one at plus 170. In the head-to-head section, we went two and one. That's always a good thing to go two and one. And uh, got a little bit of heat on the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesday night for the Jones over AJ pick. I felt really confident heading into that. And then, you know, took a little bit of, uh, you know, sass from the group, but you know, of course, Jones goes out and gets it done, makes us look good there. So felt good about that pick for sure. Corey LaJoy, we talked about that absurd group bet. He was going off at plus 220. At one point, it was plus 470. Someone on the Wednesday night show said it was at plus 700 at one point. I mean, I, could you imagine snagging that at, at plus 700? He wins that matchup or that group easily on Monday. So love that plus 220. And then on Monday morning, we had a couple ads, Ross Chastain plus 225 for a top 5 finish. That was one that we added and hit. So all in all, a very good day. They're not all going to be like that, but we are going to revel in it when it is. Now, a couple of the misses. Stenhouse versus Eric Amarola. I had called out Amarola on the podcast and it was just one of those deals where I could see the writing on the wall, like Wednesday night show. A lot of people were on Stenhouse and I understood why, you know what I mean? It was just, yes, I I get it. Uh, I think one of the matchups somebody called out was actually the opposite of the one that I called out. They said Stenhouse over Amarola. I had Amarola and just started to feel, especially after the practice session that I was on the wrong side of it. But as I've documented a few times this year, Whenever I do switch, right, you have your your stats that you're going off of and, and your gut. Um, whenever I do switch, it never works out well. So I kind of went down with the ship on that one, even though looking back, hindsight 2020, I definitely should have moved my position over to Stenhouse there. But, hey, you know, you can't win them all. We went two and one there in the head-to-head section there. Then a surprising one. I added Kevin Harvick top 10. Talked about him as a reason to win the race or a driver to win the race on the pod. And when I saw that his number was minus 139 to finish in the top 10, I jumped on that on Monday morning because of his streak. He had a phenomenal top 10 streak going at Dover. And he was kind of up and down in and around that like 7 to 14 range. And, you know, gets a lap down towards the end of that race and just could not recover. So that was a tough one to swallow. I really thought that was a, a lock. And, uh, of course, in NASCAR betting, nothing is a lock. So, yeah, that one stung a little bit. But all in all, I mean, it's a great week. Now, let's talk about the Ross Chastain situation that is just 
all the rave in NASCAR right now. So if you did not watch the race, can tell you, it says uh, it's a butterfly effect here because Ross had a fast car. Obviously, he goes out and finishes second. Um, but earlier in the race, coming up to lap traffic, Brendan Poole is in front of him. And Ross, I mean, the guy is doing no favors for himself for all this, you know, conversation and all the memes that are around all the stuff that went down last year with Denny and him pissing out, pissing off almost everybody in the garage. He's not doing himself any favors. He just keeps doing things. And in this case, just ran over a slower car and just so happened in the process that slower car, when he just got into the back of him, Brennan Poole, the 15, takes out one of the fastest cars in the race in Kyle Larson. So that ended Larson's day for all intents and purposes. And just craziness, right? I mean, Brennan Poole gets out of the car and says, like, yeah, this guy, he needs to get his butt whooped. Uh, Kyle Larson, obviously, is just like, what the hell is he doing? Like, Daniel Trotta, I think is someone that I hold in high regard. She hosts a weekly show on Sirius XM, and her opinion, I think, carries a lot of weight. You never really see her come down on the drivers that often. And she put out a thing on Instagram saying, your apology, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying your apology means nothing, right? He, he apologizes when he got out of the car. He, he tried to see seem sincere and contrite, and... She said, basically, like, we've had enough of the apologies, okay? You got to actually be about it. You can't just say you're about it. And I that took me by surprise, like, to see someone of her stature saying that. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. So how does this affect Ross? I mean, all last year we kept saying, well, someone's going to get him back. Someone's going to get him back. You know, kind of hesitant to bet on him because you kind of felt like payback was coming. I, I, I have to assume it's not because no one ever does. And he's been good enough to kind of survive it. So um, I know there's been, you know, shots here and there, but nothing of, of craziness. Now Vegas this year, Denny got him back and that squashed that beef, but he just keeps creating more and more problems for himself. I can't see Brennan Poole going out and wrecking Chastain, who undoubtedly will have a good car this week. We're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, but this is just a, a crazy situation that, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, he will not change. He's just going to keep running people over. If he feels like he's got a car good enough to go, he's going to go. And um, in this process, it took out Larson. And the funny thing is we had all the brackets going on last week. I had Larson. I filled out, I think, a couple brackets. Larson was definitely deep, if not my champion. And I'm sure a lot of people were in the same boat. And just like that, boom. He is eliminated from the bracket that uh, we had put together. So a lot of stuff with that one, Chastain's move there. But then he goes out and finishes second. So really tough to accept an apology like that from a guy who runs you over, ruins your race, and finishes second in the process. So Dover, though, all in all, I know it took a while to get the race in. It looked bleak and uh, ends up being a very sunny day for us gambling on that race so let's switch gears we'll move ahead now we'll cross the country and we're going to head to kansas so moving over to this mile and a half kansas speedway this is a track 
that is more technical um, than you know some of the other tracks on the circuit. Anytime you get a mile and a half, anytime you get an intermediate, that's an opportunity, I think, for the gambler to really analyze the data and try to jump on it. Might not be a, you know, spray a bunch of bets out there type of weekend. Maybe you watch what goes down in the practice and qualifying sessions and then really hammer one bet in particular. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through my typical, you know, agenda here, calling out a, a few different bets. But I'm just saying as the gambler for you listening, this is the type of track where, it should favor us with the data. Now, they moved to two races per year to Kansas in 2011. So, you know, not only do we have a lot of data on mile and a half and intermediates, but we're getting two races a year from this track for quite a long time. So, you know, really good stuff. And we should, looking at the weather forecast, we should have practice and qualifying, and that's going to be huge for gambling. So, you know, I maybe hold off on anything unless you have a, a driver or bet that is looking like really nice for you as the gambler, really long odds, and you love it. I'll hold off a little bit just to see what practice and qualifying have in store for us now. Uh, we've got clear skies looking for Saturday. We haven't had that, feels like, in a little while. Now rain, 88% scheduled on Sunday from Mother Nature. So that could play another you know, roll back-to-back weekends, back-to-back Monday races. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But that's tough to to wrap your head around. We're going to try to put out good vibes so we can get the race in on Sunday. So let's take a look at the track stats here. Like I said, they started doing uh, two times a year here just over a decade ago. They've got 34 races in the Cup Series lifetime there for this track. The winner has started on the pole eight times. That's a pretty good clip. Uh, for only 34 races, the last time it happened was Kyle Larson in 2021. Winners starting in the top five, it's 50% of the time, so that's why qualifying is so big when you're going off of the outright picks. And winners starting in the top 10, it's 67% of the time. Bubba last year uh, started sixth when he went out and got that win in the fall, last time we were here. The winner has started outside of the top 20 only three times in the history of the track, happened 2019 with Denny Hamlin. Manufacturer trends, the the only real one to report on here is Toyota. They won five of the last seven races at this track. So very impressive stuff for Toyota here. Ford is on an 0-for-4 streak. So if you're going back 10 races, it's been Toyota with five of them, and then Ford and Chevy are splitting three and two. So a little bit of a drought for Ford. Toyota's dominating, and Chevy's been uh, sprinkled in there here and there. Obviously, Larson going off as a favorite at plus 500 on most books, plus 550, I think, on Barstool. So he is obviously in a Chevy, but um, obviously somebody who can get it done. It's just Toyota. Keep your eyes peeled. We're going to talk about a few of them coming up. Now, the, the funny thing is, in those five Toyota wins – in the last seven races, it's been four different drivers. So it's not just one dude going out and dominating like we see sometimes in these manufacturer trends. Toyota has really spread the wealth out, and it's been you know really good opportunity for them to, to get it good. So a lot of data to look off of here on this mile-and-a-half track. Like I said, I mean, we can use this in our favor. So looking on you know my data sheet here, at the last 10 races at Kansas for these guys, the last 
10 races. That brings us back about five years, so 2018. It's a good enough time period where even some of the newer guys are getting a good chunk of time in the car at this track. So the last 10 is important at Kansas. Looking at last year's races specifically, so the last two, the 2022 races because that's the next-gen car at Kansas. That's important. Then, of course, we're going to utilize winthereace.info, our guy Ryan Stevens, the 2022 true performance rank on intermediate racetracks. That's going to play a factor here for us. And then I'm also looking at the green flag speed at the second Kansas race. That was the last time we were here. So who was fast last time? Who's coming into this weekend with some good notes that they can try to replicate? Another thing you can look at is this season. I mean, we've had the Vegas race. That's a direct comp track. Uh, so we can see who was good at Vegas. And even though it was a little while back, you know, see what we can utilize from that. If somebody was good there, someone practiced well there, went out and got a good finish, that's something you can kind of maybe hold on to and, and use that to your advantage here. And then ifantasyrace.com is using green flag speed numbers from two races this year from intermediate tracks, Auto Club and Vegas combined. So we'll look at that a little bit to try to say who's got some speed on this style of track this season. So a lot of stuff, right? I'm throwing a ton of info at you. You can obviously go and, and pull those numbers yourself um, if you really want to get down and dirty. I'm going to do my best on this episode to try to present the info in certain ways the best I can. Now, I mentioned the odds aren't great. We're starting out at Kyle Larson at the top of the board, plus 500, so 5-1 to one on most books. I even saw 4-1 to one on uh, one of them. I, I don't remember which one it was. I kind of just went, ugh, and then <laughs> looked the other way. Um, so because those odds aren't fantastic, it's another reason why you want to watch practice and qualifying because sound like a broken record, but you would rather throw your money down on someone that you saw in practice and qualifying, go out, they've got a fast whip, even though they might be some lower odds at that point. We saw someone who was 5-1 to one who just proved themselves to have a very strong car. I'm more comfortable doing that than just kind of blindly throwing something 5-1 to one on Larson here to win the race. Um, it's a bit of a stretch. The problem here is that the odds, you know, throughout the the stuff that we're used to loving, as we'll get to in the finishing position segment, we're not really seeing good stuff there. So uh, we'll talk about how to overcome that. But let's get into some picks. We're almost 20 minutes in. I haven't even thrown a pick out there yet. And we're going to go towards the top of the board, a little chalky this week, kind of playing it safe. I mean, definitely saw some people on Twitter out there, even though I try to avoid it before I record. Saw some people kind of taking some longer shots on some of the guys deeper in the field, and I totally respect that. I think that's a, a okay move there. But I'm going with Denny Hamlin to start things off on this episode here. He's going off at 8-1, to one, plus 800 on most books. I thought he was plus 850 on Barstool, but it looks like it's changed. So if Toyota is going to continue to reign, I want in on Denny Hamlin. Uh, it just seems like he's the leader in that stable and, you know, overall, right? Maybe his performance isn't at that point to be, quote-unquote, the leader, but he's he's the guy uh, right now for Toyota. And if he's going to get it done, they need to clean things up on pit road. Like, I have to imagine they are having, like, a, a come-to-Jesus meeting this week because what we saw at Dover, I mean, I had it on mute. As it was going on on Monday, I was trying to watch as best I could, but uh, he's coming in 
racing, you know, great track position, and his pit crew, you know, you just like, where's Denny, right? You see all the cars coming off the pit road, and then they, the camera pans to them, and they're still struggling uh, with it. So they need to figure that out. But if they do, I mean, he's going to be a force this weekend because his numbers across all of the stats that I'm looking at are absolutely phenomenal. So let's start at Kansas, his last 10 races, he's got two wins, six top fives, and six top tens. His average finish is 7.5. That's good enough for third in the circuit. Driver rating, also third, 101.7. Really good stuff. Three straight top five finishes for Denny Hamlin at this racetrack. And last year, right, the next-gen car at this track, 2022 Kansas races, his average finish, 3.0. That's good enough for first in NASCAR that time so really good numbers at kansas then true performance rank for all encompassing intermediates in the 2022 season he was second on the board for the true performance ranks really good stuff now let's look at this season right green flag speed on the intermediates he's tied for second so even though it was a little further back he's no slouch at vegas he led 10 laps he finished 11th but the speed was definitely there so they can get these pit road situations figured out, I think we could be in business here with Denny. Now, another thing to think about is looking at the numbers here. He doesn't particularly practice all that well at this racetrack and doesn't particularly start all that well. So qualifying effort for Denny hasn't really been there in the past. His average starting position is is not really that great. It's well outside the top 10 compared to everyone else. So the thought there is maybe... Just maybe you might be able to get him at a better number on race day after we see things go down on Saturday. But, you know, a little bit of a risk because if he does light the world on fire, uh, then you're you're not getting him an eight to one. So, you know, just throwing that stat out there for you to do as you wish. But I like Denny Hamlin to win the race this weekend outright. Now, if it's not going to be Denny, who could it be? I like one of his stable mates, Christopher Bell, going off at 850. So plus 850 for Christopher Bell, and this is another Toyota that I just really like what I'm seeing so far this year. In NASCAR, with Alex Bowman out of the picture right now, he's got the best average finish in the sport this season, 10.4. So that's good enough for best in the sport without Bowman. Eight top 10s in 11 starts. There's no one that can say that either. He's finished fifth at Vegas earlier this season, and I would say that's a pretty damn good foundation to kind of build off of when we're trying to come up with an outright pick for this weekend. I mean, those numbers from this season are pretty solid. So then what we want to do is work off of that. The last 10 races at Kansas, he only has six starts. But in those six starts, he has he has one pole, no wins, but two top fives and four top tens. Very good stuff there. His average finish, 12.8. That's good enough for eighth in NASCAR, and his drive rating is ninth. True performance rank on intermediates last year was 10th, so I need a little bit more out of Christopher in that sense, but at Kansas specifically, it was definitely a strong point. His average finish was 4.0. He had a third place and a fifth place at this track a year ago, and he was only one of two drivers to finish in the top five in both races. The other one was the guy we just talked about in Denny Hamlin. Second in green flag speed in the fall last time we were here. Christopher Bell is just someone that I want to get early. We have him to win the championship from earlier in the season. I like where he's at. 
in the points and, and everything there. He's got his win. It's that Bristol Dirt, though. I think this is an opportunity here for a Toyota driver to continue the reign that they have, and Christopher Bell is in the position for us as gamblers to snag a pretty good ticket at plus 850. Now, if you don't like that outright, he's plus 150 for a top five, so that might wet your whistle there if uh, the outright pick is a little bit too much to ask of young Christopher. So, that is the Toyota camp. Now, if it's not going to be a Toyota, who could it be? I'm going to talk about Kyle Larson in just a bit. Don't want to take him at 5-1 to one outright, but I'm seeing some value somewhere else in the Chevy camp, and it's someone that we spent a lot of time talking about earlier. The watermelon man. It's Ross Chastain, baby, plus 1,200. He was going off at plus 1,500 when the odds dropped. Actually, I think it was 1,600 on Barstool. Um, so I got to see, I, I did throw something on him, but right now he's 12 to one as I'm recording this on a Tuesday night. Now it's kind of a strange thing, kind of feel strange to pick him after the race that he just had on Monday, where he pissed just about everybody off, uh, except for those who had him top five. And, you know, he doesn't show up when you're looking at the stats for the last 10, because he's been in terrible equipment, but I'll tell you this thing about Ross Chastain. Since 2018's fall race, he has improved every single time he's come to Kansas. He's gotten a better finish every single time until last year where he finished seventh twice. So, I mean, that right there is phenomenal. Someone who just continues to learn. And that's, you know, starting pretty far back in the 30s. But like I said, he was in ship boxes and just kept getting better and better and better and learning and learning and learning. And if that trend continues, man, you know, we could be looking at an outright at plus 1,200 here. He's your points leader right now. I mean, Ross Chastain is leading the points. He doesn't have as many top fives as Christopher Bell or many top tens, but he's leading the points right now. Finished second last week at Dover, as we talked about. I mean, that's got to be good for momentum. He's going to send his apology over to Rick Ware Racing, like he said. I don't know how that's going to go. Last year, 2022 true performance rank on these tracks, he was sixth out of everyone. Both races, as we mentioned, he finished seventh. And win the race, same site that gives us the true performance ranks. Ryan Stevens also puts out pre-qualifying and practice ranks for the upcoming race. And that's what helped us last week with Dover for sure, because uh, Dover was a unique track. It wasn't really falling into the true performance ranks. So the pre-ranks, uh, pre-qualifying ranks, ranks, excuse me, was big. And they have him as third right now on the board, which is enormous because he's getting 12 to 1 odds. So cross-referencing all this stuff, you know, to me, it's the value at 12 to 1 that really stands out. 2023, his green flag speed on these style tracks is intermediate, is first in NASCAR, 4.5. That's Auto Club in Vegas, according to iFantasy Race. All of these things, you would say, okay, it's another 8-1 to one driver. Well, you can get him at 12-1, to one, lock it in. So it's a Chevy driver there, 12-1, to one, public enemy number one, but I still like it with this value. So to recap the outrights, we're going Chastain, Watermelon Man, 12-1. to one. We're going old Christopher Bell, plus 850, and Denny Hamlin. Keep saying his season starts now on his podcast, right? I think it can this weekend at 8-1. to one. Let's lock it in. Firm but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? 
We asked them politely yet firmly to leave. All right, so let's get to the finishing position segment here. And this is a spot of the podcast where I'm usually very happy to get to because I love talking about some of the longer odds we can get on some people just to finish in the top 10. But this week at Kansas, we are not getting that luxury from any of the sports books. I mean, the default book for these types of bets is Barstool. They are every week. 10 times better than the other sports books when it comes to top 10s and top 5s and um, the finishing position bets in general. But this week, they're kind of in line with the rest. Still a little bit better than the likes of Caesars and eventually DraftKings, but you're still not getting phenomenal value. So that was a little bit of a letdown because when you're looking back at like last fall, you're not seeing anybody in the top 10 that's kind of a, a wonky driver right so dover last week we were looking at last year's dover race you see people in there like stenhouse okay stenhouse was going off at like plus 200 for a top 10 yesterday on monday for 2023's race you know there's reason to make that case putting that thought process together for kansas if you're looking at the fall race there is nobody really wonky and everybody that you're seeing there is who you would expect so that's kind of what we're saying. It's more of a, a technical track that the good drivers kind of have it. Um, and the bigger teams really are able to dominate these. So as gamblers, we're really not seeing much of an edge for, you know, longer shots to finish in the top 10. You really have to kind of get lucky for that to happen. So I'll call out a super long shot in just a bit. But I want to start with Kyle Larson because... I'm going to move away from the top 10 and see how can I get value on someone like Kyle Larson. I'm looking at a top five at plus 100, top three even, plus 160. I mean, Larson, he's the favorite for a reason. He's kind of an easy bet. I don't really have to sell you on his resume here, but I'll do it anyway. One win, four top fives in his last eight races. That's a 50% hit rate. The only person with a better hit rate for a top five would be Denny Hamlin. But uh, second in average finish, 7.4, and first in driver rating in the last 10 race time span. So just unbelievable there, but it gets even better. He's first in average laps led in that time span, first in average fastest laps. I mean, just truly unbelievable. Now, third in the intermediate true performance ranks from last year. So that's another little feather in the cap there for Larson. And when you're talking about the two races last year, he was average finish 5.0 with a second place finish to boot. So in 2023, here's a trend for you, okay? Because if all of that didn't sell you on a Larson top five or even a top three, here's a little bit of a trend, which I tend to really love. Now, he has finished outside the top 10 two times in a row, twice this season okay and both times it's happened he has backed it up with a first place finish and a second place finish well i don't know if you're paying attention but he's finished outside the top 30 in back-to-back races more recently so it was taldega and now dover no fault of his own dover but still a 33rd and a 32nd so if that trend were to continue he would be in that top three. So I'm giving myself a little bit more buffer plus 100 for a top five for Larson, but you can see why there's a trend 
to want to get that plus 160 number for a top three. So Larson, you know, he is the favorite for a reason. I'll say it again. And all those numbers back it up. I just feel like after what we saw last week, right, I had Larson in my one-and-done pool, the toolhangers.com one-and-done pool. I said, I'm taking a sure thing. And then, you know, he gets chastained and everything goes to shit. Um, So that's why, you know, I'm feeling like I don't really want the outright, but if something were to go wrong at this track, I think that they might be able to recover if it's not a catastrophic situation like last weekend. So Larson, top five, maybe even a top three for this week at Kansas. Now, just kind of riffing a little bit here. I talked about Hamlin earlier, and I talked about Ross. I think that those guys you could sprinkle in. I mean, I made the case for them. You could throw a top five on Denny Hamlin at plus 145. Like I said, that's a 60% hit rate. He's the most in NASCAR um, when you're looking at the percentages for who's finishing in the top five the most. Denny Hamlin has that over 60% of the time. That's phenomenal stuff at plus 145. So I would, you know, not be arguing with you if you're to come up to me and say, hey, I'm taking Hamlin. I don't like the Hamlin money line outright pick, but I like the top five. I'd say, shit, I'm with you. Let's do it. Ross Chastain for a top 10 is minus 143. All that stuff that I just threw out there about Chastain, apply that to a top 10 and it gets a little bit easier to swallow. Two seventh place finishes last year. Like I said, he keeps improving on these this track specifically. Um, so minus 143 is a little short, but uh, definitely could see that happening. Now, if you think that's short, this is so off-brand for me, okay? But I'm looking at someone who's even shorter. Minus 200. I know. I hate even saying those words. But Martin Truex Jr., minus 200. Crazy short number, but his stats are just crazy sick. All right? He's 9 for 10, finishing in the top 10 at this racetrack. Just really... I love the streaks that guys get on. Harvick didn't work out for us last week, but for the most part, the guys who are good on these mile-and-a-halves really shine. Another Toyota driver here for us, and in the last 10 races, he's got the best average finish in NASCAR, 6.8. He's fifth in driver rating, fourth in the true performance ranks from last year on intermediates, and in the two races at Kansas, his average finish is 5.5. So really good stuff coming off of that win. Just so much momentum. He's got the Toyota situation at this track. Everything coming up Truex right now in that 19 team. So minus 200 is disgusting. I hate it. But I think there's a case to be made for wanting to get in on a Truex top 10 if you can. So I guess maybe the hope is that he doesn't qualify well or doesn't practice well. And then that number comes down a little bit, just like Harvick last week, uh, except Harvick didn't pull through for us. I think Truex has a a lot of reasons why he could do it recently. Harvick last week, the the argument there was, you know, historically at Dover, he's been great. Truex, like right now, right here, this season, last season, beyond, everything's coming up Truex uh, for why he would make sense for a top 10. So right now it's minus 200. I'll keep my eye on it. See what you can come up with. I am definitely hawking that this week. Now, if you want a long shot, if that made you sick to your stomach, I'll throw a long shot out there. I'm not 
necessarily all in on this bet, right? This is kind of me throwing it out there, and I'm hoping that I get a little bit of a, you know, confirmation from anyone out there listening. But if you want something super long, like I said, there's there's no sure thing. There's nothing you can really feel great about. But here's a shot in the dark. Plus 300 for a top 10 for Austin Sindrick. Okay. Penske, number two driver. Last year on this racetrack, he finished 11th and 12th. And you say to yourself, well, that's all well and good, right? Good numbers. Just missing the top 10 number that we need. He didn't hit this bet for us last year, but he was close. But the rebuttal is, well, Phil, dude stinks this year. Like, just really stinks. True. Point taken. But what's the number one comp track we have from this season? Vegas. Where did he finish in the Vegas race? Sixth. So he hasn't had a great year, but that sixth place finish and the finishes last year give me some hope that he might be able to pull this off. Now, with Sindrick at plus 300, even if he goes out and performs well on Saturday with practice and qualifying, I think there's enough give there from plus 300 where you'd still be get, getting him at a decent number uh, if he does perform well. And that's what we're looking for because at Vegas, in a season where he hasn't performed well overall, he ran 11th in practice at Vegas. So definitely decent, goes out and gets a sixth place finish. So if he were to do that again this weekend, I think I'd be looking at Sindrick for a top 10 at this racetrack where he just missed last year. And uh, hopefully we can cash something in there. But another one that you want to stay vigilant on, you want to be watching, in my opinion. Now, last one I'll mention, this is a, a special that you can get on Caesars. I know when they do these specials, these combos, the odds are never what they should be. They're always much shorter, and uh, they don't really necessarily make much sense. But considering the the shittiness that we're seeing from the finishing position stuff, I had to just look at this. It's Bubba Wallace and Josh Berry combined, both finishing in the top 10. If they do, you get plus 450. So I'm going to talk about Bubba here, and then I'll put a pause on it until the next segment because we're going to talk about Josh Berry in a head-to-head matchup and all of his stuff that are coming up positive for him in that 48 car. But Bubba Wallace went two for two last year in the 2022 season, finishing within the top 10. His green flag speed was 10th last year in the fall race. He ends up winning that race. So a lot of good things for Bubba Wallace. Just something about this track in particular and, you know, I guess intermediates in general, but this specifically really stands out. So I'd have to imagine he's got this one circled on his calendar. So two for two last year for a top 10, you know, do that, add a little Josh Berry to it, and we'll get a plus 450 number. So I'm going to play this one on Caesars for fun here because I think it makes sense. I wish that the odds reflected what it should. should be maybe like around, I don't know, plus 600 or something, but plus 450 not too shabby. We'll look into it. So Barry is the other half of that. And we'll get to his resume as to why we're into this bet in just a minute. But to recap here, I like Larson top five, top three, maybe looking at Hamlin top five, Ross top 10. Those are more, you know, Hamlin is definitely a play. Ross uh, top 10, uh, you know, a little bit short, but we like it. Truex 
we're hawking that top 10 number. Right now, it's minus 200. Cindric, we're hawking how he does in practice. It's plus 300 right now. Um, so we'll see how he does in practice and then pounce on that. And then it's the Wallace-Berry plus 450 combo to both finish in the top 10. And that's how we'll wrap up the finishing segment this week. Drex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. All right, so you've reached the head-to-head matchup segment here, and we're going to pick up where we left off with Josh Berry taking on Chase Briscoe. And this is a combination of things that got my attention here. Josh Berry is minus 115. That is the side we're going to roll with here. But first and foremost, this is a fade Briscoe season. I mean, this part of the schedule is not his best, and we need to take advantage of it. Last week worked out so perfectly. Everybody that was fading Briscoe, you know, everybody was eaten last week. Uh, on the NASCAR betting preview show hosted by Derek on Twitter every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. There's a little plug there. It seemed like everybody was taking a head-to-head matchup against Briscoe, and I think every single one of them paid out. So when you're fading Briscoe, it makes sense. His career average finish at this racetrack is 19.0. That's only four starts, a little bit of small sample size, but he just hasn't really been able to figure it out. His best finish came recently, though, 13th, but he had a 24th place finish last year as well. Just very poor in the true performance ranks on intermediates last year. He was 25th out of everyone in NASCAR, 17th in green flag speed in the fall race where he finished 13th. So he got a little bit better finish than maybe he deserved. So far in 2023, his green flag speed on these intermediate tracks, only two of them, but still, compared to everyone else, he's 32nd out of 36 drivers that are being ranked here on the intermediates. I mean, that is just garbage. So that's a driver that I want to fade. Now, who's he going into here in this head-to-head matchup? We've got Josh Berry. He's filling in for Alex Bowman, and he has filled in now very serviceably for Hendrick Motorsports. When Chase Elliott was out with the tibia, and now we've got Bowman out for a vertebrae injury from the dirt racing a couple weeks ago. He has done a very good job. Another top 10 for Barry last week at Dover, and I think that that is fantastic because you were able to see as a gambler going in, hey, Bowman's pretty good at Dover. I wonder how Barry will be able to do. Is he going to be able to fill those shoes? And he went out and he finished 10th, and he ran a really good race. The 48 team at Kansas is very strong, like really, really strong track. If Bowman was in this race, man, they would be, like I said about Bubba circling it, I have to imagine they have had this one as well. Bowman finished third at Vegas earlier in the season, the comp track. At Kansas, he was fifth in average finish overall in the last 10 races, ninth in driver rating. Two top 10s last year for Alex Bowman. I mean, the 48 car was at the top of the speed chart this season. All right. In 2023, green flag speed, Alex Bowman and the 48 team, top of the chart. Barry in two starts at this racetrack in Xfinity. He's got one top 10. So the fact of the matter is, I feel like a 15th place finish wins this matchup. So who's going to do it? Right? Win the race.info. Like I said, has pre-practice and qualifying rankings. And whenever we can find a discrepancy on that list, it's worth looking at. There with Josh Berry in, right? Because I've been throwing a lot of Alex Bowman stats your way and just kind of inserting Josh Berry and and saying, hey, you know, take this. But these pre-ranks on win the race has Josh Berry in there 
and it's a 14-spot difference heading into Kansas this weekend. That is enough for me to say, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. See you in a few weeks, Chase Briscoe, but we're going with Josh Berry in this matchup. Now, the next one, this is the last head-to-head that I have, and then we have a quick group bet to talk about. I'm looking at kind of a, a similar situation here with those pre-ranks. We're going with a Kyle Busch versus Joey Logano matchup. Logano's the favorite, minus 120. Kyle Busch, minus 110, is the underdog. He's the underdog in this matchup. Looking at the pre-ranks, there's a seven-spot difference on the pre-ranks before qualifying and practice on when the race in Kyle's favor. I like Kyle Busch in this matchup. 2022 true performance ranks, though. Logano, just being honest, did have him by a few spots. Now, typically, in a head-to-head matchup, I like consistency. You kind of hear me say that week in and week out. If you got a guy who's going to go out and he's going to get you a, a spot, you know, within a decent range you can zero in on, I like that consistency compared to the volatility of other drivers. Okay? I'm throwing that out the window this weekend. Logano finished 17th in both races last year. That's consistent, and that's solid, right? For maybe, I don't know, Corey LaJoy? But for Joey Logano? No. Excuse me, no. I'm not going to take that. Kyle's roof, his ceiling is so much higher than that. He finished third and 26th last year. So clearly, you know, got in some trouble. I, I didn't go back and see how he finished 26th, but a third-place finish. I mean, Kyle Busch is always a threat to win, definitely on mile and a halfs. And this season on the intermediate tracks, Kyle has beaten Logano in green flag speed, and he's beaten him on the racetrack two for two. So, you know, let's just look at this and say, why is he the underdog? His last 10 races at Kansas, Bush has beat him in average finish and driver rating as well. So we're not just talking about this season in a couple small sample sized races. We're talking about consistency over 10 races, beating him in average finish and driver rating. Now the car switch from the 18 to the eight may have you question that, but last year Reddick's numbers were very, very sound. Uh, so really good stuff for that team in RCR. He was super fast at this racetrack um, so really concerning if you're Joey Logano because he had a rough go at Dover and, you know, really needs something to kind of go his way. And I don't see that correcting quickly here at this track specifically. I just don't see that snapback. So I like Kyle Busch in this matchup, minus 110 over Joey Logano. I like it as the underdog. Tell me why I'm wrong. Now, the last thing that we're going to do here is talk about it. I didn't see any. Head-to-heads that I liked other than those two. I like to usually call out three. So keep your eyes peeled on the Instagram. I put my um, bets out there on race day. And I'm going to look after practice and qualifying to find a real head-to-head that I'm real strong on post-practice and qualifying. i got to put my money where my mouth is, keep talking about it. i got to be about it. But just to end it on a high note here, I want to throw a group bet out there from Caesars. This is Group F. And the drivers in this matchup, I'm going with Austin Dillon. He's plus 220, going up against Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, and Ryan Priest. So Jones and Almarola are also the same odds, plus 220. Priest is like a super long shot. AD has sucked this season, just like really bad. But at this track, he's been very, very consistent in his career. He's 9 for 10. In the last 10 races, finishing in the top 20. 
I know that doesn't sound spectacular, but we're just talking about winning a group bet here of some backmarker guys. His average finish in that time span is 15.0. That's good enough for 10th in NASCAR. All right. The other guys that he's facing in this matchup don't have a top 20 between them in the last four races at Kansas. I mean, that's fucking crazy. So, you know, I get it. Austin Dillon hasn't been having a great race, but neither, excuse me, a great season, but neither has anybody else in this matchup. We hit some money on Jones the last few weeks, and we appreciate that, but we'll come back to Jones later. You know, I'm going with Austin Dillon because of his consistency in his career at this racetrack. We're really going to be looking at practice and qualifying uh, for this one because at Vegas this season, Dillon did not practice well and did not finish well. So for seeing Dylan out to lunch in practice and qualifying, we're going to cut the cord on this one. But heading in, plus 225, or excuse me, plus 220, AD in the three, I like it. And then the, the final thing that I'll throw out there, if you haven't picked up on this already, I, I can't really help you. Toyota, as a manufacturer bet, plus 135. They're the second favorite. Chevy's the favorite, obviously, because of Byron and Larson being top of the board, but Toyota dominating the way they have the last few years, um, plus 135 is, is very intriguing to me. So especially if they go out and they don't do well in practice and qualifying, because I'm pretty sure that's what went down last time we were in the fall, and we were able to snag Toyota at a really good number at Kansas in the fall last time. Keep your eyes peeled for that because they come to play on races. So a little bonus bet there, a little bonus bet. In the head-to-head section. So to recap, it's Barry over Briscoe, Bush over Logano, and Dylan in the Group F bet on Caesars. So we've wrapped up the NASCAR segment of this episode, but now we're going to switch gears. We're going to move from Kansas and head back east, take a stop off in Kentucky because we're going to be breaking down the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby in a preview here. So I'm going to be flipping over in just a second to the audio that I recorded earlier and put this out there on YouTube. So if you're someone who likes the visuals, you like using YouTube as a way to absorb content, great. Give that a look. Take that link. Share that to anyone that you know because I want to get that going. I'm trying to bolster my YouTube channel a little bit. have not been doing a good job of that. Um, So give that a look. And here is the Kentucky Derby preview. Hello and welcome to the Kentucky Derby preview for the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. If you're listening to this via podcast form, congrats on making it this far because I've already made it through the Kansas preview uh, for the cup race this weekend. And now we're getting into something a little bit different. If you're watching this via YouTube, well, thank you for finding me on here because um, I am not typically a horse racing expert. I get into NASCAR gambling week to week on the full tank with Phil podcast. But this week I cannot resist every year. It's kind of been a tradition that, We jump into the odds for the Kentucky Derby, and this year is no different. I am fired up. For those of you who can't see me listening to this on the podcast forum, I am dressed to impress for the Derby. I've got, uh, you know, my hat on, old school hat, trying to get into that Derby spirit. So on this segment of the podcast, 
what we're going to be doing is talking about just kind of getting into the prereqs for the Derby, some thoughts, some news, some notes on what to expect this weekend, and then start looking at some horses. We're going to dive through the whole field quickly, just talk about the odds, and then specifically point out really detailed things about each horse that I feel like it's worth calling out. Um, so I want to start just by saying, and I, I said this a second ago, I am not a touted horse racing expert. What I've done over the last week or so, uh, really like five days, is just try to absorb as much content as I possibly can because I love gambling on the Kentucky Derby, but also I like kind of forming my own opinions and jotting notes down. I've got a whole you know page here uh, for anyone who cares, and I'm trying to just kind of aggregate all the information that I've seen from various people out there. And we'll talk about kind of who those are, uh, who those people are when we get to the certain facts that we're going to dive into here, but I'd like to try to aggregate it all and then put it back out there in a way that someone who listens to this podcast on a regular basis into NASCAR gambling could potentially understand and follow along with and have a little bit of fun this weekend at the Derby. I mean, we know NASCAR fans, NASCAR gambling fans know that that's kind of a, a niche thing. And, and maybe it's like off the beaten trail for your typical sports gambler. Well, you know, trying to introduce the, the horse racing element to it as well for those people. So um, that's really what we're getting into this week. Now, I find that this race, everybody seems to agree this race coming up on Saturday, May 6th, Right about 6.45 will be when they go off, a little bit after that maybe. Uh, but get in front of your televisions for that. This race, more than most that we've seen in the past, is kind of wide open. Like for NASCAR gamblers out there, I, I kind of feel like we can compare this a little bit to the super speedways. Kind of not really a heavy favorite in the field uh, as far as the stats go. Now, as far as the odds go, there is one. And we'll talk about him, but the point being from everybody that I've listened to so far, it really seems like it's a wide open field more so than we've seen in the past. There's not your dominant guy, dominant horse out there that's expected to win. And that makes it a lot more fun this week, trying to talk about who to take. Uh, so you might be able to find some value further down, just like we talk about when we get into Talladega and Daytona each time so the thing about it is though when you dive into a horse you're going to find the pros and you're going to find the cons for every horse there's not a horse that you can find in the field this week that is just surefire there's everything right nothing wrong uh so you kind of have to weigh your options and see you know is that con for that horse something that i'm willing to you know accept and roll with so we're going to talk about that when we get into it now, last year we had a super, super underdog horse won the race in rich strike. And he was not even in the race when they did the post draw on Monday or Tuesday of that week, he was the extra horse. And then one of the horses got scratched. Rich strike came in, wins the race. I think he was like 88 to one takes down Zandon, who was a, a heavy favorite. And uh, th there was another one that I can't think of at the moment. But, you know, that is setting things up differently this time around because that's fresh in everybody's mind. Everybody's saying, hey, you know, if Rich Strike can do it at 88 to 1, you know, why not take a shot 
on all these guys. So the odds that you're seeing here, you're not seeing anything past 50 as far as the morning line odds are concerned. And I think the books are kind of keeping that um, fresh in their minds because they know that people are going to be willing to take a shot on a horse for no reason other than just he's the longest shot horse that they have out there. Um, so that's going to play a factor as the week goes on that, you know, we're going to see odds uh, change a little bit and see how the betting public goes. Now for the NASCAR fans out there, NASCAR gambling fans, the way this works, just as a reminder is not like NASCAR, right? So when we talk on the podcast every week saying, Hey, I like X driver at 14 to one, get them now while you can. That's not the case in horse racing. Um, it's whatever, unless you're shooting in like an offshore book uh, like Bavada or something like that, where you can get them and lock them in. The horse racing uh, books, which there have been more of, Twin Spires, FanDuel, and DraftKings are all now available in a lot of different states. They go off of what the horse's odds are at the time when they take off. So if you have a horse that you like and he's further down, you know, maybe he's 30 to 1, if the betting public starts to hammer that horse, you're going to get him not at 30 to one, but wherever he ends up going off at when the race starts. So that's just a reminder um, to anyone in case you, you bet a horse at 12 to one and then he's six to one. Like, what the hell's going on here? Why am I getting paid out? That's the reason why. So just needed to call that out because I know that most people listening to this podcast are not used to that style of betting. And I'll be honest, it, it takes me uh, by surprise a little bit each year that we get into the triple crown because, you know, I'm like I said, not into horse racing throughout the season i try to follow along with some of our twitter friends out there as we'll, we'll touch on emily from optics eq was our guest last year for the derby we're going to try to get her on for uh maybe one of the other triple crown races but triple crown is really where you know most gambling fans that's what makes it so big each year is that these three races you know mean everything it's what the the two-year-olds and three-year-olds are, are striving to get to so, um, yeah, the, the fact that, you know, the long shot won last year and this year coming in with no dominant horse really feels like it's a recipe for some fun stuff uh, this year when we get into it. So I've got some some slides here that we're going to dig into as we start breaking down this for anyone who's watching on YouTube here. And, you know, I tried my best to get all this information people that i you know was listening to obviously uh emily she was our guest last year her and her uh partner john doyle they put out a great statistical breakdown it was a, a week from thursday we didn't have the post draws yet uh we didn't know where the horses were gonna be taking off at but just hearing them talk about optics eq and the the way that the race is projected to go and all the numbers there is just mind boggling to watch them break that down. And you'll be able to kind of just get a sense, even if you're not like fully deep in the horse racing world, you'll be able to get a sense of kind of who they like and you know, what they are leaning towards there. And then, you know, found a few other different spots uh, to gather information. First of all, just watching the post draw. If you Google, you know, Kentucky Derby post draw, the guy who reads off the names, he gives you a little bit of tidbit uh, about each horse. The, the funny thing is when you hear him just talk about the name of the horse and not really getting into the resume of the horse, that's kind of your way of understanding like, hey, this horse might not be worth a damn. But um, even just watching that, you pick up a little tidbit 
along the way. Um, found some, I think there's a dermatology guy out there on, on YouTube. He gave a great 10 minute breakdown of right after the post draw, which was great. Um, and then the, the racing guys, I think they have a podcast out there, I'm definitely butchering their pod, but they had uh, John White on as a guest. And, and that was a, a long podcast, tried to absorb some information there, as well as all the articles out there. American America's best racing.net is uh, a site that I was leaning on and we're going to be using um, some of the quick screenshots from that as we get into this here on YouTube. But, you know, just so much information out there. I'm just trying to gather it all up. So let's run through the field here as we are breaking down the 20 horses, the largest field in horse racing. And so let's get to it now. We're going to go through one through 20, and this is going to be pretty quick. Uh, I'll make this larger here if I can. And there we go. All right. So number one, starting against the rail is Hit Show. He's going off at 30 to one. The trainer is Brad Cox. Manny Franco is the jockey. Number two is Verifying, 15 to one. Another Brad Cox horse. Has a little bit of Justify in him. This is Pedigree. And uh, Tyler Gaffaloin. I'm going to butcher some of these names, so I apologize. He's the number two horse. Number three, two fills. We're going to talk about two fills in a bit. 12 to one. Larry Ravelli is the trainer. And Jareth Lev Loveberry is the jockey on that one. Number four, confidence gain going off at 20 to one. And Keith DeSormo is the trainer. And we've got James Graham as the jockey on the number four horse. Number five, Tappet Trice. He's a big name. We're going to be talking about him. Todd Pletcher horse going off at five to one. And Luis Saez is the jockey there. Number six, Kings Barnes. Another Todd Pletcher horse going off at 12 to one. Jose Ortiz is the jockey this week on Kings Barnes. Reincarnate, number seven. He's going off at 50 to one. And John Velasquez is the jockey on this one. And this is a situation where, if you remember, Bob Baffert suspended uh, from two years ago because of some doping situation with his horses. So we've got um, Tim Yakatine as the trainer on that one, as he was for Baffert's horses last year. Number eight, Mage. He's going off at 15 to one. There's definitely some. Uh, Ways you could say that, some debates on how to say that horse's name, but I'm pretty pretty sure it's Mage, uh, 15 to 1. And Gustavo Delgado is the trainer with, let's see, Javier, Castel, Javier Castellano. Jesus, uh, 15 to 1 for Mage. Skinner is number 9. He's going off there. Juan Hernandez is the jockey on that one, and John Sheriffs is the trainer. Now, number 10 is an interesting one. Uh, it's practical move. He's going off at 10 to one and Tim Yakutin is the trainer there, but he's not taking over a Baffert horse. This was his to start. We'll talk about him in a bit. Ramon Vasquez is the jockey there. Number 11 is disarm 30 to one. Uh, Steve Asmussen is the trainer. Joel Rosario is the jockey. Number 12, Jace's road. It's a Brad Cox horse, 15 to one there. Uh, Fumant Giroux is the jockey on that one. Number 13 is Sun Thunder. Brian Hernandez Jr. with Kenny McPeak as the trainer on Sun Thunder, 30 to 1. 14, Angel of Empire, 8 to 1. Another Brad Cox horse. Flavian Pratt is the jockey there, so that's going to be one we talk about. And number 15, Forte, the morning line favorite, 3 to 1. Todd Pletcher and Erad Ortiz is the jockey. Number 16, Raise Kane, 50 to 1 horse there. Um, number 17 is Derma Sodagaki, Japanese horse, 
and we'll be talking about that horse. He's going off at 10 to 1. Rocket Can Junior Alvarado is the jockey on this horse going off at 30 to 1. Number 19 is Lord Miles, 30 to 1 there. Bill Mott is the trainer. And excuse me, uh, I mixed up their names there. Paco Lopez is the jockey on Lord Miles. And uh, Saf Joseph Jr. is the trainer on him. And number 20, last horse here, Contenor, 50 to 1. Long shot there for the 20 horse. Um, so we will not really be talking about him. So that's the quick rundown. Again, butchered some names there. I apologize, but we are going to be getting into some specific horses here. And one of the things that is worth calling out now is the fact that we don't have from all of the Kentucky Derby pre-race, you know, the, the races on the road to the Derby, the way that they qualify and the way that they earn points to make the Derby. We don't have that typical pace setting horse that's in the field this week. Okay. Now we do have horses that can be labeled pace setters, but in the road to the Derby, they haven't really been that style horse. They've run, you know, there've been horses that have run from gate to the, to the wire, of course, led the whole way because they're just that strong. But as far as, you know, in the past, when Emily last year, she was on the show, she predicted exactly how the race was going to go down from the gate all the way to the first turn or two. And it was because we have these specific horses that like to get out front. They like to lead and then they manage things from that point. The, the real pace setters didn't make the show. Now, if we get a couple scratches, I think there is a, a horse or two that's kind of waiting in the wings down at Churchill Downs trying to get that opportunity if somebody gets scratched. Um, so if they join the show, then that might set the tone a little bit differently. But the fact remains, going off this weekend, we're going to see some horses thrown into positions that they haven't really been in. Horses that need to lead. Somebody's going to have to lead the race going into the, the first turn, and it might be someone who hasn't been in that position before. So another interesting tidbit about this race and how it's a little different than what we've seen in the past. So let's get into some of these horses specifically now, and we're going to have to start with Forte, all right, because he's a Todd Pletcher horse. He is the odds-on favorite to win this weekend at the Kentucky Derby. He's going off from the number 15 spot. And, um, again, the, the visual here, I'm stealing those stats that you see on the screen there from America's BestRacing.net. So thank you to them. Seven starts for this horse, lifetime, uh, since he broke maiden, and seven starts and six wins he's got. So just unbelievable numbers there, and there's you know good reason. And as a two-year-old, he was the 2022 Horse of the Year. So, of course, you know, if we're coming into 2023 Kentucky Derby, you got to go with the two-year-old Horse of the Year. He's going to be making a name for himself. He's going to be up there as far as the odds, and, of course, in this case, it's the favorite. So he needs a clean trip. If he gets a clean trip, he could be a very tough horse to beat just because of how strong he is and the resume that he has six wins out of seven races, just, you know, truly unbelievable there. Um, so they have some cons though with this horse now talking or excuse me, listening to Emily and John, and then some of the other podcasts and the, the articles that have been written. This is a horse that just hasn't really been improving more so maintaining than anything else. Now, the big thing with this horse was in the Florida Derby. Okay, because Mage, the horse that's running in the eight spot, 
this race in the Derby and the Florida Derby Mage was out front and, and excuse me, Forte just blew by Mage and that made it look visually as if Forte was just unbelievable. Like, holy shit. Like, look at this horse. Look how fast he is. But from what everybody's kind of saying, this is more so a situation of Mage just running out of gas. So it was more so like a little bit of an optical illusion that, you know, Forte is really dominant and more so just Mage, you know, losing it in there. So uh, that was the situation there. And in the Fountain of Youth, you know, he ran his best race, but it wasn't exactly like mind blowing. So he's a horse that if he gets out front, you're not confident that he's going to be able to close the deal from everything that I'm reading. It's more so you're crossing your fingers that he's able to hold on uh, more so than anything else. And as a three to one favorite, that isn't really my vibe. So, you know, that's the, the skinny there on Forte. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, as that sort of information comes out, as we get closer to race day, if he maybe drops a little bit and some of these other horses take a little bit more money on. So Forte, Todd Pletcher horse, great resume, great in 2022. But uh, for me, at that value, I don't know if I'm taking him to win the race. We're going to talk at the end as to, you know, some picks that I have out there at this point in time. So let's move to the next horse. And this is another Todd Pletcher horse. This is Tappet Trice. He's the five horse and in five starts for Tappet Trice. He's four wins, zero second places and one third place. So he's five to one to win this race. And he's, you know, obviously the second favorite. People love the gray horse. Um, and we haven't had a gray horse win since Giacomo in 2005. And, you know, everyone, I don't know if this is just me, but, uh, I don't like the gray horses, but when you're reading these articles, people just rave about how beautiful this horse is. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, so far on the outside that it's just not my thing. But you know, there are definitely some other horses visually that I'm like, man, those those guys are badass. The gray horses, they don't do it for me. But Tappet Trice was the most expensive horse in this race. So when they, you know, went off. At the, the buy, he was the most expensive one, and um, they tapped Todd Pletcher to, to get it done for them. So, so he has a tendency to get off to a bad start, all right? But he's kind of developing as a stalker. So he's got that strong pedigree for a long race. And, you know, in fact, the Belmont kind of sounds like it's more his situation than anything. It could set up better. So, you know, if he really grows into it, um, and he gets this done, we might have a chance at a, a triple crown just because the Belmont is, you know, that longer race. And that's really what it seems like he's starting to develop as he's got a great stride. He held off a, a long push from verifying in the bluegrass stakes. So the question is, is he able to hold on in this field, this 20 horse field with the best of the best? Is he able to keep it together there? Um, some say he's not really a complete horse yet. He's kind of like, in the, the race itself, kind of looking around, you know, and, and not really as focused. Um, and if they're able to kind of keep that horse focused on what's ahead, then uh, we will 
potentially see a, a really good race out of the, the five horse. Now, Saez is staying with him. They're on a four race win streak. So the thing about him is, and you can't live bet this race because it's only like 90 seconds long, but if he gets off to a good start, you got to look out. Um, if they get out there to a, a situation that they are comfortable with, not leading the race right off the bat, but if they're out there, they get a clean break. That could be good things for anyone who's betting on the five horse. So, um, Tap it trice, number five, and who knows, maybe a, throw a little five-horse, five-car parlay situation. I don't know what book would take that, but uh, hey, it could be a five number five weekend. So let's move to the next horse here that we have up here, and this is Practical Move. I mentioned him earlier, um, Ramon Vasquez, and this is a Tim Yachtin horse. Seven starts, four wins, one second place, and one excuse me, two third places. He's going off at 10 to one from the number 10 spot. Now, this is the horse that I mentioned. When Yakutin was taken over as a trainer for the Baffert horses, this is not a Baffert horse. He's had this horse from the beginning. So what kind of a story would that be, right? If he you know, took over last year, that's kind of how he made more of a name for himself in the Derby. And now he goes in and wins, even though he still has a, a Baffert horse, uh, in the race elsewhere, he goes and wins with this one that he's been training with for the whole time. I mean, that would be pretty impressive as he was, if he was able to get that done. So um, kind of, this could be like the, the strangest horse in the field. Uh, you know, we got some knocks on this guy. He's had some really great trips, but in small fields. So when you're looking at the data kind of overall, you know, it may not necessarily pan out you know if you're looking at these smaller fields and he's kicking them to the side yeah sure but in a 20 horse field there's definitely a question mark of how a horse like this would be able to react but he's been very consistent he's got great tactical speed and here's a stat that came from uh one of those podcasts i was listening to of all 16 prep races in the kentucky derby that gone into the road to the derby he has the best and second best times so that tells you, I mean, this dude, we mentioned how he's consistent. He's definitely fast. He won the Santa Anita Derby beating Skinner and Mandarin Hero. Um, so, you know, Skinner obviously in this race, but he doesn't mind traffic, which is great because in a 20 horse field, even though, you know, the horses that he's faced against so far, it's been smaller fields in those races, he's been involved in some traffic. You better get used to that in the Kentucky Derby. So the fact that he has shown that he doesn't really mind it, um, that could help in a little bit of a crowded field here. And um, looking, let's see here, trying to take a, a second here to look. Now, the, the note that I have written down is that he has a, a very high likelihood of being in the position to make the move at the end. And if he's there at about a mile and 16th, I mean, he's going to be licking his chops because that's the type of horse that he is. He's a stalker. He's going, if he's at that point at a mile and 16th, look out. I mean, this is a horse that will absolutely be strong down the stretch if he's in that situation. So practical move is definitely one at 10 to one to keep your eyes on to win the race and keep in your exotics for sure. So um, that is practical move. Tinyakatan. Now next horse up, this is a Brad Cox horse 
and it's Angel of Empires, written by Flavian Pratt. He's going off at eight to one, six starts and four wins, one second place finish. He's going off from the 14th spot. He has shown improvement over his last three races as a three-year-old. His second place finish at Oaklawn Park uh, was a good one. And we're going to talk about that one actually in just a second. But he won the Rising Star and most recently won the Arkansas Derby that had a pretty decent field. And he put up over 100 points there. So that's a you know big situation there, a big feather in the cap, his, his feather in his Kentucky Derby hat there um, to really ride on there. So looking at the situation, though, he hasn't had this much time in between starts. Last start was April uh, 1st going to may 6th but he's definitely excuse me it's a long layoff for him but he's definitely in form that is for sure he's visually impressive was one of the terms that somebody said about him at the arkansas derby where he's able to run off the pace and you know really come and and stalk them down and get a good run um he has shown the ability to battle through the field he's shown the ability to get a good run with his jockey there so that is something that really gets my attention. I mean, Angel of Empire is one that a lot of people have been talking about to win the race. And one of the things you got to look at is the way the trainers are talking about their horses. So Brad Cox has multiple horses in this race, but at that one race that I talked about, he finished second earlier in this road to the Derby um, situation or this schedule, Oaklawn, he finished second and Brad Cox had the horse that finished first in that race. And all he could talk about was this horse, how happy he was that he improved and how this horse is setting up to be, you know, perfectly in sync by the time the Kentucky Derby rolls around. And I think that means a lot. Like you really have to take that into consideration the way the trainers feel about the horse. So he feels that he'll be great at this length. And for me, you know, this is a horse that you might want to pick to win the race at eight to one. So uh, Brad Cox is, you know, kind of favoring that horse as a trainer over someone who just won. I mean, that tells a, a big story there. Here's a situation. All right. The number 17, Derma Sudagaki. This is the horse from Japan. Christoph Lemaire is the jockey on this one. He's been the jockey uh, for the whole time here. This horse is going off at 10 to 1. And Hedetaka Otanashi is the trainer on this one. Now, this horse has eight starts, four wins, and two third place finishes. It's going off at the number 17 slot. So we will talk about that in a second. But it's a Japanese horse. It's the same story every year. Will this be the year? Randy Moss, the OG Randy Moss. All right. We. My buddies and I always talk about Randy Moss. It's it's Randy Moss season. Horse racing, Randy Moss absolutely loves this horse. I mean, really is jocking this horse, uh, no pun intended here. And, you know, a lot of positive things that you can say about this horse. He won the UAE Derby in dominant fashion like by five lengths just wasn't even close he's the son of mind your biscuits who was a a strong horse in his time and they're calling this the best chance the japanese have ever had to win the derby 
his UAE time, and there was a Baffert horse in that race, by the way, but his UAE time is comparable to some of the best times from the United States prep races um, heading into this race. So you're saying like apples to apples, like time versus time. He has, you know, competition for these guys. He's there. So this is a horse that might be more of a pace setter. All right. We talked about how this field kind of lacks that. Well, he is someone that might be able to jump out in front and lead a little bit off the break. Uh, so you got to watch for that. And that's really kind of what went down in Dubai. I mean, he took off and he was just gone. He led from you know the start to the finish. So tactical racer. He's got a perfect run style. He adapts really well to the situation that he's in. All positive things about this horse. 10 to 1, pretty good value for that resume, right? But the thing is, I mean, this horse is, he's, he's got to break a lot of jinxes. All right. Japan has never won the Kentucky Derby. They are going after it like crazy. And the winner of the UAE Derby has never won the Kentucky Derby. One of them, I, I don't know if it's the UAE winner or Japan. Um, they're 0 for 18. So it just gives you a sense of like how long we've been going at this here. So that's something. And then on top of those two jinxes, this poor horse draws the 17 stall, which is never won the Kentucky Derby. So if this horse wins, he will be smashing all sorts of jinxes left and right. The Japanese jinx, the UAE jinx, this number 17 jinx. Can he do it? You know, and I always get sucked into these Japanese horses because of how strong their resumes are this year. I don't know, man. It's just a, a lot of things to go right. A lot of things to fall your way in order to cash on this horse. So maybe I would throw him in. I'm going to lay out kind of a, an exacta um, at the end of this. Maybe I would throw him into something there, like a, a trifecta box or, or whatever. But um, I don't know if I could take him to win. 10 to 1, just too many things working against him from the universe. That's tough. But the resume is strong and the horse is definitely very solid. If you're just kind of taking that stuff out of it, the, the human element to me though, just knowing that is, is tough to overcome. So let's get into maybe a little bit of a longer shot. I've, I've heard a couple people talk about this horse and you know, some people are really strong on them. Some people aren't. Um, so this is Kings Barnes. Jose Ortiz is the jockey. Todd Fletcher is the trainer and he has three starts and three wins. And he's going off from the number six spot. He's 12 to one to win the race. And he is a total wild card. Some think he is worth the look. Others, if you're looking through, you know, articles that people have put out, tossing them right away, which I don't think you should toss this horse right away at all. Uh, but there are people doing it. So that's, you know, there are definitely reasons for it as we're going to touch on all of them. But Kings Barnes, number six horse. He's definitely a little bit of a head scratcher here. So first and foremost, we got to call out the curse of the Apollo curse of Apollo, excuse me, because he did not run as a two-year-old. And that was always a thing the, the last horse uh, to not run as a two-year-old and then win the Kentucky Derby was Apollo, but that was shattered by justify in 2018. So that's kind of making it a little bit more reasonable. Like, okay, you know, we just talked about those jinxes from the, the horse previous for Kings Barnes. You know, you can look at justify because not only did he win the Kentucky Derby, but he won the whole triple crown. So he's only run three races, but he won all three of them and his speed numbers. You know, they were 
very, um, I don't know, bit of a knock. Emily kind of had him as a, a downgrading horse. Uh, he's got some perfect runs out there. And, and last time out, you know, it's kind of going to be tough to replicate that perfect run. Another knock that they had is he has not had the same jockey. They, they just don't have him um, sticking with him there. Pletcher keeps moving them all over to ride with some of the other horses. And uh, this guy, you know, we're, we're getting Jose Ortiz on him there as opposed to some of his stable mates who maybe they're saying, you know, might be stronger than him. And that's why they're giving him the other jockeys. Or is it because uh, he's the, the third of the bunch? Tappet, Trice, and Forte, obviously, as far as the odds are concerned, are higher up. So we don't have the, the same jockey horse relationship that we've seen in some of these other horses. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how that works out for King's Barn. So that's, that's some of the knocks against this horse. But let's talk about some of the positives. He is going to be a bit of a pace setter, a bit of a presser. All right. In the Louisiana Derby, ran a mile and three sixteenths easily won. Stamina did not look to be an issue in that race. Um, and going to that one podcast that I was listening to, John White from the Santa Anita racetrack, he was saying that this horse, you know, he could go out and, and finish 18th or he could win this race and has potential of being an absolute superstar. If he were to win this race, there's a potential that this is a horse that could be set up to win the triple crown, which is what everyone wants, right? We all want that. So we're trying to find the right horse to do that. So if this horse has that type of potential and, um, and that stride, so it's a bit of a mixed bag, right? We've got the, the numbers, the speed numbers and, and rankings down a little bit on this horse, but um, what we did see the stamina, not really being an issue at the Louisiana Derby, really one running away. So if he can get that perfect ride, look out. You know what I mean? I keep saying that about a few different horses, but everyone is going to be trying to, to run their own race. Now, this is where strategy kind of comes into play because other horses around him at the start are kind of expecting this horse to kind of take off and go and, and set the pace for everyone else. And is that beneficial to those other horses? Or is that beneficial to King's Barnes? Because maybe that's exactly what he wants. Maybe he has the stamina to be able to get out, break well, and lead the race and not die out at the end because his stamina is up there. So can he hang on to get the job done? Whereas everybody else is kind of expecting him to set the pace. We're going to ride, you know, third, fourth, fifth, and then make our move late. Will it be too late if King's Barnes is the one out there setting the pace? Um, so that's King's Barnes 12 to 1. Now, I got a quick horse I want to throw in here. Um, this is Juan Hernandez. This is Skinner, number nine horse, going off at 20 to 1. Complete long shot or longer shot compared to these other horses that we're talking about. Six races, he's got one win and three third-place finishes. I'm bringing him up because this is more of a long shot that you might want to throw into some of your exotics. Uh, he's a long shot who might be able to hit the board. He's the son of Curlin, who was a two-time horse of the year. You might remember Curlin. And uh, he finished third in the San Felipe Stakes, and he rallied down the stretch in the Santa Anita Derby to be part of a blanket finish. Both of those races were won by his, I guess, rival, you could say, in practical move, who won both of those races. So they are just so happen to be starting next to each other, ninth and 10 spot, uh, which is pretty funny when you think about it, these guys are just like battling left and right. And uh, 
you know, here they are starting right next to each other in the biggest race of their lives. But um, when you're looking at it, it seems as if he's been getting stronger. He's kind of been the the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of deal. But um, to me, I don't think this is a horse that has the threat to win the race, but I think you want to include him. If you're getting frisky, throwing some uh, exacta boxes together, you're throwing some trifexits together. I think he's a horse that might be able to get up there and hit the board as a longer shot. So 20 to one on Skinner. So now we move to the horse of the podcast. Okay. This horse, his name is two fills. He's, 12 to 1 to win this race. Jareth Loveberry is the jockey. Larry Ravelli is the trainer. And two fills for obvious reasons is the full tank with Phil podcast pick. Uh, no if and buts about it. We're gonna, you know, get into this here. But he's got eight starts, four wins, one second place, and one third place finish. So six of the eight times hitting the board here for this 12 to 1 shot. And Emily from Optics EQ, guest from last year, she's been kind of high on this horse uh, from what I can tell from her Twitter feed and what they talked about on the Kentucky Derby preview where saying he was the only horse above par in their ratings, which is pretty interesting compared to all the other Derby horses. His connections are here for the first time. They're from Chicago. And, you know, maybe that gives you a little bit of pause, right? Because you look at all these other names, Brad Cox, Todd Bletcher, excuse me, um, Bob Baffert. Obviously, he's not here, but he is here kind of deal. Like these names are just synonymous with the Derby. Well, here we got a, a new trainer, Larry Ravelli, coming in from Chicago. He hit the board in four straight graded stakes races. The downside is, you know, the dominating victory that this horse had was on synthetic surface. So that's really when you listen to these talking heads you know, go at it on the podcasts and, you know, the, the YouTube videos and such. Anybody who wants to knock this horse says right away, synthetic, you know, that's a, a fake surface. Of course he had blazing speed out there. I think his numbers are like better than everybody in the, uh, or his number from that race was like the fastest of everyone in the Derby, but it's an immediate asterisk. It's not a real racetrack. So we're going to toss this horse right out. You haven't really found too many people talking about this horse in a positive light, but I kind of like that 12 to one, maybe he's going to stay there or maybe be better odds for the gambler in this one to potentially hit the board. His speed metrics overall are a little bit lower than the other contenders, even though he had that one blazing fast race um, on the synthetic surface, but he does have a dirt win here at Churchill. So he won on the dirt track at Churchill downs in the street sense stakes and another thing about this horse is his jockey has been with him the whole way. He's a try hard runner. This horse is just speaking to me at 12 to one. And I was able to see an interview. I don't know if this was at the post draw, maybe, um, or maybe right after that, but the trainer was getting interviewed talking about, you know, the transition from Chicago to Churchill Downs. How are things going? You know, is the horse adapting well? And the interview was just like exactly what I wanted to hear. Right. He said, yeah, things are things are going good. Um, you know, this is a, a horse that he's been eating well. You know, he eat a full full meal and uh, he, he sleeps. He, he gets likes to sleep during the day. So we just let him. He sleeps really well at night. Get some good workouts in. I'm thinking to myself, you're talking about a guy 
who's just eaten till his stomach's full, sleeps during the day, sleeps at night, maybe gets a workout here or there, and uh, you know gets good scores on the workout. This horse is me. Like I'm, I am this horse. So love the story from the trainer. I love how comfortable it sounds like he is. That's what we were saying. You know, you got to go with the the stuff that the trainers are saying. Obviously, they're not going to talk to the press in a negative way, but just those candid interviews, those little things, uh, I think mean a lot to me as the gambler. So this obviously is a, a horse that I think is, is funny um, to take for the name purpose. I mean, I'll tell you this, right? I am Phil. I have a son. We call him by his middle name, but he's Phil the fourth. All right. My dad's junior, my grandfather, he's grandfather's hat is what I'm wearing right now. So we're channeling, you know, my grandpa, his straw hat here, two fills. I got two fills in my house right now. Me and my son go hang out with my dad. We got two fills there. What's this horse number in this race? Three. I'm Phil the third. Like it's just too many uh, things talking to me here, but on top of the, the fun stuff there, this horse's resume is worth it for the position, you know, that he's going off at 12 to one there. So I think, you know, you want to include him in some exactas and near exotics. Um, but I already took him, you know, when I was down in South Carolina, had the Bavada account pumping, I took him, he was 12 to one then got him at 12 to one there. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. So those are the horses. I, I guess we broke down about seven horses total there. Um, so that's the, the breakdown. And I hope that that, was helpful to those out there who aren't really familiar with the Derby, trying to get acquainted with some of these guys and, you know, where they stand coming up to Saturday. Now you got to pay attention because we will have potentially a horse get scratched. Maybe two horses get scratched. It's going to change the odds a little bit. You want to pay attention to some of the workouts. I would just say, you know, follow Emily, you know, she goes by May Emily on Twitter. Um, Jim Sanis, who's been a guest on the NASCAR betting preview show. I saw he put out a podcast this week with a guest from Churchill Downs. I need to listen to that. I have not heard that yet. Saw that right before I started recording. So I'm excited to listen to that podcast as well. So just, you know, keep your ears peeled. Um, keep your, your ears to the ground there the way we get into it. Now, let's talk about some picks because I know that's why we're here. I got a visual up here talking about an exacta and I'm going to go now. I'm going to have a bunch of different plays that I make this weekend, but the one that I'm calling out here for the podcast, I'm going to take practical move as my winner, as the, the cornerstone of the exact bet. And then I'm going to box up uh, a number of other guys here. So tap it, trice verifying who we didn't really talk about, but he seems like a horse, the number two horse He's got justify pedigree. Um, he's a horse that could hit the board. I don't want to get beat by a horse like that. Forte, the number 15, he's the odds on favorite and angel of empire. So those guys are all boxed up with practical move as my winner. That's the, the one pick that I'm throwing out there this week for the podcast. If I come up with, you know, any more that are worth sharing, I will do that. Just know, you know, I'm going to be wheeling and dealing with, with my money, um, a number of different ways, but I, I feel strong about this practical move horse, um, to potentially win the race. He's going off at 10 to one. Now, if you want to have a little fun, I, I saw, the Derbytologist kind of do something similar to this. Exacta box, a $2 Exacta box. You got $40 to play with. Let's throw five horses together. And these are all horses that I feel, you know, some are longer shots, some are the favorites. Practical move, 10 horse, Angel of Empire, the 14 horse, King's Barnes, longer shot, two fills, 
longer shot and tap it trice. The five horse, throw them into a $2 exacta box, cost you 40 bucks, and um, let's see if you know two of these horses can go out and get it done for us. I think this is a fun way to play it. So you kind of you know budget yourself and pick your, your best horses to do it there. Now, in doing this, I know that I'm leaving myself exposed to some of the longer shots, the 50 to one shots, the 30 to one shot that's out there. Um, and yeah, I'm going to let the week kind of come to me a little bit, see how the, the word is at the workouts at Churchill throughout the week and, and maybe dip into a little bit of stuff there. But as far as the, the fun we're having this week on the podcast, these are the picks that I'm comfortable um, throwing out there because I really have liked what I've seen on these horses resumes um, because we broke down all of those guys that you see on the screen. So the exact box, $2 exact box, practical move, angel of empire, Kings Barnes, two fills and tap it trice. So that's going to do it. Uh, I hope that that was informative. I hope that you're excited for the Derby. You're going to go out, you know, get some mint juleps going, get some buddies together, you know, maybe get a little pool going, do the random draw out of a hat. In addition to, you know, signing up uh, if you haven't already for some of the books that handle the sports, uh, the horse racing, because it is a separate entity. DraftKings is new this year. You have to download a separate app. Same with FanDuel um, or Twin Spires if your state allows it. So definitely give that a look um, if you're kind of newer to this subject. But if you don't, it's always fun to just throw names out of a hat, throw 20 bucks in a piece, and, you know, you see who you get. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. So, Kentucky Derby, really looking forward to it. My only hope, right, as opposed to, you know, in addition, rather, to winning some of these bets that we're talking about, my real hope is that the winner of this race races in the Preakness because we've been kind of screwed the last few years of, of not seeing that potential. I want to see the Preakness with some excitement. So um, if we get that, hopefully we'll be able to maybe – Snag Emily, give her a little bit more of a heads up uh, and, you know, have her come on and talk about how things went. We'll, we'll see. We'll put a pin in that. But um, I hope everyone has fun this weekend gambling on the Derby. And I hope that this was uh, helpful to you as maybe a newer gambler and um, to the horse racing world. And I hope it makes it interesting for you. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. And it was a different one, breaking down the Derby and kansas cup race hopefully you found that informative let me know how i did at full tank phil on twitter and instagram always open to chat with everyone there let me know what you thought of the breakdown and we will go into this saturday hopefully coming out with our pockets full roll that into what we got going on at kansas on sunday and we're heading to darlington next week with our pockets full so Thank you so much again. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week for Darlington. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go. Have no place to go. Goodbye, baby.